Welcome to Productive Flow, where we answer the eternal question, why can't I get myself to do the things I know I should be doing? If you want natural productive flow and higher levels of success without all that struggle and self-judgment, this podcast is for you. Now, let's jump in. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Productive Flow. I have a wonderful guest here with you today. I have Denise Duffield-Thomas. And uh, let me tell you a little bit about Denise if you are not familiar with her. So she is the money mentor for the new wave of online entrepreneurs who want to make money and change the world. Sounds like us, right? She helps entrepreneurs like you change, charge premium prices, release the fear of money, and create first-class lives. Now, her books, Lucky Bitch, Get Rich Lucky Bitch, and her newest, Chill and Prosper, which you should go right to her website right now and pre-order or order because by the time we get this out, it's probably already going to be out. It, they give a fresh and funny roadmap to living a life of abundance without burnout. Now, her money bootcamp has actually helped over 8,500 students from all over the world. She says she's a lazy introvert, a Hay House author, and an unbusy mother of three. Now, she also owns a rose farm and lives by the beach in sunny Australia. So, Denise, welcome to Productive Flow, and thank you so much for being here and telling us all about your amazing, unbusy life and your new book, Chill and Prosper. Thanks, Angela. Thank you so much for that um, beautiful introduction, but also for plugging my book right off the top of the <laughs> interview. Well done. Thank you so much. And yeah, yeah. I'm, thr- I'm thrilled to be here with you. Oh, that's awesome. So tell us, tell us about Chill and Prosper. Tell us, let's just start right with the book. So tell let's us about Chill and Prosper. Okay. So those of you who, if you do know me, um, this is a, an updated version of my book, Chillpreneur. Mm. Um, I wrote this, um, oh gosh, I think I, I started writing it when I was, had just had my baby number two in, in mm-hmm. 2016 and I handed it in um, a month before baby number three was born <laughs> in 2018. So it came out in 2019. And the world has changed. The world mm-hmm. has changed. And so my publisher asked me to do an updated version of it. And um, and I said to them, I said, yeah, great. But, you know, I didn't like the cover, the cover of the first book. And so I said, well, we have to have a completely updated cover. And they said, well, we didn't like the name Chillpreneur. So let's do a new day. And I was like, yes, no problem. So <laughs> we... Um, so it's basically, you know, when someone says, just do it, just do a little tweak. I said to myself, I'm just going to do a little tweak. And I ended up rewriting almost the whole book mm. and, um, and added a ton of case studies in there because people would contact me and say, well, that's great, Denise, but it doesn't work for my industry oh. or, it, or it doesn't work for this particular situation. So I was yeah. able to then put in some, you know, answer pe- people's questions yeah. that have been coming up the last couple of years, but also put in different case studies to make it work. And the, the whole point of the book is to find, like what you do, find the flow, find the ease mm, in everything mm-hmm. and find your path of least resistance. It's not a book that mm. says this is exactly how you have to do business, but there's a marketing section, a business model section, mm-hmm. um, pricing, money, mindset, because it's so important to find your flow, which I'm sure, you know, you preach as well, mm. but it's it's so individual for each each of us, but yet so many of us start businesses like I did, doing a course, finding a mentor and trying to emulate 
what they do and it does not work for us and we we wonder why or we feel bad about it yeah no that totally makes sense so as you've gotten this you you did the rewriting of it I imagine that with adding all of the case studies that it made it's going to make such a, a much bigger impact on the people reading it because of the fact that you know you are showing how it can be something that can be applied to so many different industries, you know? Well, absolutely. Because everyone thinks that they are the special case <laughs> sometimes, don't we all? And I just wanted to to show you, and I think the pandemic has shown this as well, that businesses that never thought they could be online mm-hmm. had to be online. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, we all had to learn to pivot and it was yeah. such a good opportunity to design your business for yourself and for mm-hmm. your needs because, you know, those who have kids at home realize mm-hmm. that, oh, man, we have to do all this work with kids, mm-hmm. with uh, with um, unexpected illnesses or with mm-hmm. uncertainty. And if you can build those structures in from the beginning, then you can handle different things that life throws at you without mm-hmm. having to throw away your whole business. Absolutely. And I think that you know, it's, it's a really uh, valid point because, you know, I, I started coaching 20 years ago and I, you know, I have grown kids now. I have an eight-year-old left, but we raised five kids and the next youngest is 19. She's already out on her own, but we were doing this back then. We were homeschooling and we were raising all these children and, and running an at-home business and everything way before the, you know, the pandemic. And a lot of people couldn't identify with the fact that it can be done. They would say, no, I, I can't, my industry can't, and, and it doesn't work for me. So I love that this is an updated version that's taking all of that into account and showing that, that people really can make it work. Oh yeah, absolutely. And there's nothing you can't renegotiate in mm-hmm. your business because I find that people are almost more inclined to completely quit their business, throw their business away, than do some really simple things like put some boundaries in place mm-hmm. with your clients or um, change your pricing. Mm-hmm. They would rather almost c- quit completely. Um, yeah. Before I forget, can I just give you the URL because I'm totally going to forget. Oh, please do. Um, please do. Yes. If, if everyone goes to denisedt.com slash prosper, so mm-hmm. denisedt.com slash prosper. That's where all the pre-order bonuses are. And if you're listening to this post, the, the book being launched, you can still get the bonuses. So I actually just recorded a whole album of um, affirmations with mm. meditation music on them because I um, I like layering in my self-care practices because mm-hmm. I'm really lazy and I forget. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, you know, cool things like that when, mm-hmm. if you pre-order the book and, and grab the book. No, I love that. Yeah, no worries. We will be sure to put that into the show notes as well. So if you're looking at this somewhere online where you found the podcast, there will be a link for you to click to make it nice and easy. So absolutely. I think that that's great. So thank you for sharing. Uh, Yeah. So um, with the, with the, what you were just saying, I think the really relevant point to that is that it's what's within our realm of possibility according to our beliefs right that a lot of times when people are saying 
I can't do that. Not my industry or, you know, not my kids, right? A lot of us will say that, not my kids. I can't do it. Maybe you can. Your kids are good, not my kids, right? (laughs) And then, but it's all within the realm of possibility because what what I've seen and I know you've seen as well is that it's really what you believe is possible. It is. And it's also knowing your personality and yeah. being um, being okay with that. So Mark was saying this morning, Mark, my husband, mm-hmm. um, I was in the shower and I said, oh, remind me what my first interview is today because I've got four podcasts today, right? Um, and he's like, oh, okay, it's with Angela Kristen Taylor. And I was like, video or no video? Video. Okay, cool. And then he's he's like, oh, yeah, you've got half an hour in between each interview. And I said, mm-hmm. babe, I had to do that because I had to put it in my calendly that mm-hmm. nobody can book a meeting back to back because if it was up to me, I would. Mm-hmm. And so I know that about my personality that I am completely delusional about time. <laughs> I, um, I always think I can do more than I can. Mm-hmm. So I have to I have to do it despite myself and mm-hmm. make sure that the technology that I have in place mm-hmm. saves me from my personality. So it's not about fixing things. It's just about going, okay, that is true about myself. Mm-hmm. I am like this. It could be something like I struggle with boundaries, so I need a gatekeeper to read my yeah. emails yeah. before because otherwise I'll say yes to everything. Mm-hmm. You know, And it's just being this is what's true for me. This is how I am. So therefore I need to design my business in a way that doesn't create chaos and stress. And if it was Absolutely. up to me, I would I would book 50 meetings in a day. So my my system is my calendly, mm-hmm. I can the maximum of four meetings a day, and there's half an hour between each one. Yeah. And I never have to think about that now. Yeah. I actually do the exact same thing, except for I put an hour between each point. Oh, good idea. <laughs> that would be my next upgrade. <laughs> It just gives me time to relax. <laughs> so I'm totally but when I started my coaching business, mm-hmm. um, I would literally be like, oh my God, I've got 10 seconds to pee before I have to get on for my next class. Right? And I would yeah. like run and just be like, oh my God, because <laughs> I, I could, and then I would never eat lunch. Yeah. You know, I'd just mm-hmm. be like, oh God, you know, I, I'm sure I never did it, but I can imagine myself like quickly eating something while I'm peeing, Mm -hmm. you know, to try and just be like, oh my God, because I just, and I used to get up at 4.30 to have my first coaching call of the day because Mm -hmm. I never felt like I could say to people, these are my available hours. Yeah. That's what I have. Instead, I was like, I need to be everything to everyone and I need to do it in a way that wants to accommodate Mm -hmm. their schedule, not mine. And I was, this was pre-kids, right? So I could kind of get away with it for a little Mm -hmm. while. But when I had my first um, baby, I was like, oh, I need to just put some things in place Mm -hmm. to make sure I'm not going to like die of exhaustion. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's really when I started. Uh, Exactly. And that's Mm -hmm. when I really started putting some of these practices into place that, that go in the book. Yeah. Um, Because I... And I'll tell you the exact moment I started writing this book. Okay. I was reading, um, I was reading Tim Ferriss's book, Tool of mm-hmm. Titans. Okay. And I I love Tim Ferriss. I read Four Hour Work Week in my mm-hmm. 20s. It was a game changer for me. But I, I was reading it thinking, ah, oh, a lot of these case studies don't have babies and they mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're guys. And not everyone listening has mm-hmm. kids, but it was just a realization that I was thinking, well, Tim should talk about 
these things that I want him to talk about. And then I went, he's, he can't. Mm-mm. It's not his experience. It's not exactly. Mm-hmm. And I just went, well, my voice is valid. And mm-hmm. that's when I started writing this book because I, I thought, you know, kids or not, it's, there's just something there about, you know, we, we have to write the book that we want to see in the yeah. world. Mm-hmm. And that's what I needed to see something about um, making things easier, but with an acknowledgement that, you know, I am a different to a man without kids mm-hmm. and, and, and I'm a, you know, it's not even about kids for me. It's my cycle's different and makes me different throughout the month. Or yeah. mm-hmm. um, my priorities are different. I live in a different country. I live in a mm-hmm. different place. I have different goals for my business. Mm-hmm. And um, and I just, I was like, you know, literally just had a baby. And I was like, I've got to write this book. <laughs> <laughs> and I started writing it, you know, one-handed while I was breastfeeding. Yeah. Um, but I think that's a big sign too of going, why not me? Yeah. Why not me? I'm allowed to, I'm allowed to do my business the way I want to. And I'm allowed to have a voice yeah. and my voice is valid. Yeah. Yeah. So what recommendations would you give to entrepreneurs who are sitting there in that space and they're saying, yes, this is me. And I have, my voice is valid, but they feel that. But then on the other hand, they feel like, but there's so many voices out there that are valid why does mine matter? Yes. So I love this exercise because it's, it's super fun, but it's, um, it's, it's going to uncover some stuff for Mm -hmm. you, right? So every day you can look in the mirror and say, this is what a wealthy woman looks like, Mm -hmm. or this is what a wealthy writer looks like, Mm -hmm. or this is what a wealthy single mom looks like, Mm -hmm. or this is what a wealthy queer, um, coach looks like this is what a wealthy non-binary person looks like Mm -hmm. but the point of it is not to do it from a place of affirmation of fake it till you make it Mm -hmm. you actually want to allow that little voice Mm -hmm. to say yeah but Mm -hmm. or no actually because that's such valuable information Mm -hmm. to see where your own blocks and beliefs lie yeah yeah. And sometimes it's really big stuff and you sort of go, well, it's because you know, I'm not qualified enough. Mm. But sometimes mm. it's really, it's stuff that you can't change about yourself. It yeah. could be, my, you know, your skin color, your background, mm-hmm. your gender, your weight. Mm-hmm. Mine was like was such a silly one, but for a while I was like, I'm too short. <laughs> like I know it's I know it's strange because that's not a top not layer one. It was a very buried one. Yeah. Because I remember, and all of these are usually mm-hmm. related to something. I remember a friend who was very tall mm-hmm. would say that all the time. That person's never going to make it in show business, or that yeah. person's never going to make it as a politician because they're, they're not short. tall enough. Yeah. Yes. And so I had this idea, and really, if you go into another layer of it, it's I'm not serious enough, or I'm mm-hmm. not qualified enough, because that's what success looks like. Mm-hmm. And it took me, honestly, I was like, oh, I'm the same height as Madonna. That's, mm-hmm. And I needed almost a validation to say, no, no, but I do have an example of someone yeah. who's successful at my height. It's so yeah. silly. But when you do that exercise, it really mm-hmm. allows you to see what rules you have put in place for yourself yeah. about who is allowed to be successful in business, in your industry, yeah, anything, your age, whatever. And so it's a it's an acclimatization mm-hmm. of, am I allowed? Maybe I'm allowed. And some days you'll be like, yeah, I'm allowed. And it's that little practice that might give you the courage 
to do something slightly different in your business that day. Send one more email. Yeah. You know, create a social media post that could um, get you a new client. But we sit there and we think, but I'm not allowed to. I'm not allowed to be successful. It's not yeah. allowed to look like me. Yeah. And it can, but you have to give yourself permission for that. Yeah, no, absolutely, 100%. And um, sometimes one of the things that um, that I do is have people ask themselves the question, why am I so sick? going to be so successful? Why am I this? Or why am I that? And then they, they offer themselves up those reasons, right? And they start to dig for them. And I love that because it does, it really does help us come to terms with what is standing in the way? What are the blocks? What are the stories we've been telling ourselves? And then what are those examples? Like saying, you know what? I'm the same height as Madonna. I love that. Madonna made it. I can certainly make it. We're the same height. We have that in common. And then you might go, I wonder if I can wear her shoes. Exactly. (laughs) And then you can follow people on social media. You can seek out those stories Mm -hmm. um, to build your belief that it's possible for yourself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what about these, um, you know, I mean, uh, one of the things I love about your books and I've got, that one sitting on the shelf right here, the rich, rich, oh, lucky bitch is right yeah. there. Um, and one of the things that I love about your book is that you tell your story in it and that you give so many wonderful examples of where you were and how you overcame certain moments. And I remember this, um, there was one part in the book where you were talking about Uh, winning a contest and people were telling you how you always won contests and you were just like, I'm just sitting here at the table and I just know I'm going to win. And then they called your name and you weren't surprised. (laughs) This just happened. And I love that because that it, it's like, there's a switch, I think inside of people that turns on when all of a sudden all these things become possible. And I think that that's something that you've had in you, maybe even from the very beginning, that was just this, anything is possible for me and I'm going to find a way. And then the way brought itself to you, you know? Yeah, no, I really had to learn that. Really? Okay, so tell us about that. Because I know there's a lot of people saying, I need to learn that. How do I learn that? No, I mean, I grew up with a mom who she's very lucky. Like mm. she's the lucky bitch, right? Mm. Um, mm-hmm. But as a kid, that was very much um, a feast or famine experience. Okay. You know, she would win. I remember she won $5,000 at a slot mm-hmm. machine mm-hmm. one time when I was a kid and she bought a new car. Mm. And, but like something would, there would always be something that would happen, but then it would be very lean as well. And so I actually thought for a long time that, you know, that was her and I didn't have that. My mom, by the way, she, Mm -hmm. um, she's, she plays darts. So she's like in a lot of Mm semi-professional teams. So she plays like lawn bowls, Mm -hmm. um, uh, snooker, billiards kind of Mm -hmm. thing. Um, and so she plays in like New South Wales championships and stuff like that. (laughs) Yeah. But she, um, she, she plays darts as well. Mm -hmm. Like, and, um, her team is called the lucky shots. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So she is the lucky bitch. 
Um, but actually for me, I had to really learn that. And so it was, I started doing this in my twenties. I started really looking at some of those law of attraction practices Yeah. and, um, and because I think I used to think, I, and I can very much fall into that pessimistic view. Now mm-hmm. I have to really watch myself doubting Thomas. Mm. Absolutely. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started deliberately practicing it. Um, and it felt very, um, foreign to me in a way because, mm. It wasn't, a na- it wasn't a natural practice. And so yeah. what I write about in my first book, Lucky Bitch, is that when I started to deliberately do it, that's when things started to shift for me. And so I, the first one, one I remember was I was living in London on a student visa mm-hmm. and I didn't have enough money to pay my student fees. Mm-hmm. And I kept on just thinking, I, it's all going to work out fine. I'm going to mm-hmm. practice these little law of attraction things and I'm going to see yeah. what happens. And I was like, it's just going to be fine. Something's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Something's going to work out. And um, it was due on a Wednesday. The Friday before, I got a bank error in my favor of the exact amount needed to pay. It sounds my like a, one of those little cards from Monopoly. You know, <laughs> yes, it was exactly favor. like that. And I had to pay it back, but the bank converted it into a loan for me, which mm. I hadn't been able to get. And so I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then. Yeah. I used to play bingo with my mom a lot and Mm -hmm. my mom would always win. And I would be sitting there going, what if I say the wrong thing? What if I win? And I, instead of yelling out bingo, I have a Tourette's moment and like, yeah, something really inappropriate. (laughs) So I'd be sitting there just going, this is the worst thing. I don't want to win. This is horrible. And so I started to go, it's easy for me to win. It's so easy for me to win. And I remember I won like $500 at bingo Mm -hmm. and I just went, oh, and then the two weird things happened. I, I thought, I think I would really like to be a coach, you know, mm-hmm. and I was dreaming about this future when I was at my day job going, mm-hmm. I'd love to be a coach. And someone messaged me and she said, oh, you've won a coaching scholarship. And I was like, what are you even talking about? And she said, oh, I was on this webinar and yeah. the lady was giving away coaching scholarships and you were one of the names. And I was like, but I wasn't even there. I just registered, mm-hmm. you know, that you just register for webinars and yeah. you don't turn up. Yeah. And <laughs> I was one of the winners and I went, what? And then that lady came to my town and I went to one of her workshops mm-hmm. um, to say thank you. Yeah. Thank you for, you know, letting me in my sure. your life coaching thing. It's changed my life. Yeah. And I, I was thinking I'd really like to write a book. And mm-hmm. the the prize, the door prize was her this lady's publishing, self-publishing course. And I won. <laughs> And I just went, universe, what is going on? And then um, I talk about in the in the book how I won a mm-hmm. six months all expenses paid. Vacation. Oh, I remember that one. Mm-hmm. Yes. So what happened from that is that I was on my honeymoon with Mark mm-hmm. and I, I went out under the stars and I made a wish and I said, more of this universe. I want yeah. freedom and adventure and abundance. Mm-hmm. And um, we came home. I put it on my post it on my wall of like, six months travel. And I thought, I'm going to try and find some way to pay for this. And I thought Mm -hmm. blogging was really new back then. And I thought someone's going to pay me to blog or, and I put $3,000 a month. And, um, and my friend texted me and said, I found a perfect job for you. And it was a honeymoon competition Uh to blog for six months. And the salary was 3000 a month. Mm -hmm. And I went, we're going to win it. But here's the thing. I still had to do the the stuff. I still had to apply mm-hmm. for it. I still had to show them that, you know, we could do it. Cause it wasn't like a pick the number out of the hat. Yeah. It was, you know, like a social media competition. Yeah. Can you get press? Can you get PR? Yeah. But I think I just had that belief of going, 
why not me? I choose to live in the possibility where I win this because there's Mm -hmm. one possibility out there. Mm -hmm. So I think that's after that string of experiences, which was all about um, about a year Mm -hmm. of those weird experiences, that's when I was like, oh, I think I've got something here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, and I was asking the universe for it, send me a best-selling book idea. And I was like, oh, yeah. lucky bitch. Yeah. And that's when I followed that thread. But all of those experiences, except for some of them were very strange, you still had to put yourself in the mix of it. Yeah. You know, yeah. you still had to apply yeah. for it. Mm-hmm. And I would say now, like, I'm not someone who then applies for lots of competitions or anything like mm-hmm. that because now I'll just go, oh, I'll just make money in my business and then buy mm-hmm. a, you know, buy the exactly. thing that I want. Yeah. Um, but at the time it was really an important part of my journey to watch my thoughts that were mm-hmm. happening every time. And I would even say now, there's times now I go, oh, I can't win the lucky doll prize. That would just be too on the nose. Mm-hmm. You know, it's someone else has to win it now. I've had my, I've mm-hmm. had my good luck. So I've talked myself out of it you yeah. know, again, because mm-hmm. I go, no, 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 I've got money. Now. I don't need to win things anymore. Yeah. So we always just have to watch what's going on in our brains about anything, whether yeah. it's, you know, oh, I won't put myself forward for this client because they will never pick me yeah. or I second guess your prices. Oh, they won't pay this. So I, mm-hmm. I'll put this instead of going, yeah. why not me? I'll live in the yeah. possibility where I can attract those clients who will pay the Absolutely. prices I want to charge. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a question that I get a lot, um, and it's, it's not that they're coming to me with it because I don't, I don't teach money mindset. That's not my thing. I, a lot of times I send people to your book. I've referred people to your book and your boot camp many, many times. Well, thank <laughs> money you. mindset isn't, isn't my thing. Um, but I will say a lot of questions that I, I hear people talking about um, around manifesting in general has been, how do I manifest something if the people around me are negative. If they're stuck in the, in the limiting beliefs, how do I get us out of it? If it's going to be affecting them as well. Well, I was right there too, because my husband was like, what are you talking about? Mm -hmm. So when he came home from work and I said, I found this social media competition and we're going to win it and it's all going to be great. And you're going to have to quit your job and go all around the world for six months. He was just like, what? He had his dream job, by the way. Yeah. He had his dream job working for his dream sports company mm-hmm. um, since he was a little kid. Yeah. And he was like, what? And I said, well, we've got to do a video. Let's do this video together. Mm-hmm. And here's what, all we had to do in the video was to say, like, hi, we're Mark and Denise Duffield-Thomas and we want to mm-hmm. apply for this competition. And so we're, so we're sitting down doing it and Mark's going, hi, I'm Mark. And I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) we took, we handed it in at like two minutes before the deadline. Mm -hmm. And I was like, by the, the outtakes would have been like, you are the dumbest person. I hate you. Um, So he was not that person either. Mm -hmm. And I remember um, there was one thing that was so like a real wake up call for me. Mm -hmm. We were, um, when I was living in London, I never had a proper winter coat. I always yeah. shopped in thrift stores. Like mm-hmm. I just didn't believe I was worthy deep down. Sure. And I remember walking on a street and I was like, oh, look at that. And he put his hands over my eyes and he said, don't even look. Mm. And I I remember just going, wow. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't him. It was realizing for me, I was like, 
I don't even allow myself to dream, mm-hmm. let alone look for free. Yeah. I'm not even allowed, I don't, I'm not even deserving to look at something in a window of a shop yeah. that's closed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I realized how much work I had to do on my inner worthiness mm-hmm. that had nothing to do with him. Yeah. And so I know it's hard when you're surrounded by people who go blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. I realized there was a couple of my friends that I had to not see for a little bit. Mm-hmm just for a little bit. And when I saw them, I had to not take on their stuff. So I actually started imagining when I was with those negative people Mm -hmm. that I was wearing a a hazmat suit Mm -hmm. and I would literally like put it up Mm -hmm. and their words and their stuff would bounce off me because I used to just absorb it, absorb Mm -hmm. it all. I imagined myself with a golden pair of scissors and I just go snip, snip, snip. That's all your stuff. That's all your stuff. And then I started to be really careful about what I was letting in. So I was listening to positive um, affirmations or positive, mm-hmm. you know, back then it was probably cassettes or CDs. I can't even remember, but on my way to work, mm-hmm. what am I listening to? What am I reading? Yeah. Um, I started spending my lunch breaks instead of bitching with all my coworkers about, oh, this sucks and this sucks. Yeah. I would spend it journaling because I had to realize I was treating that as my reality instead of Mm -hmm. going no no my reality is over there and I just need to shield myself a little bit from this stuff and it's it's tricky I know there's a couple of times I had to have a conversation with Mark and say hey when you talk about money like that it actually activates all of my childhood scarcity fears and he was like what do you mean and I'd say when you say we don't have enough money I'd go it's not really true but it's just how we how we see the world, but you, you saying something like that makes me feel like it's really real. And we had a perfect example of this. Mark could look at the our cupboard now mm-hmm. and say, we have no food. Mm-hmm. And I could look at that and say, there's 50 meals in there that I could make. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, and we grew up in very different environments where we moved around a lot. We did have a lot of scarcity, but his mm-hmm. mom would, um, she had a big freezer mm-hmm. of packed full of stuff and so it really is sometimes that prosperity scarcity mindset so even though I grew up with way less certainty and way less money than he did my mom was an optimist yeah yeah (laughs) my mom was always like it's all gonna work out I'll win something or something will happen she would win a meat raffle yeah Yeah. (laughs) and so I realized that when Mark would say something like that we have Mm -hmm. no food for me for my mom to say we had no food meant like yeah, it's literally gone and there's nothing, nothing there. Yeah. <laughs> there's nothing. Exactly. So it really was that that feeling, just oh, my little chime. My um just that reminder mm-hmm. that we have to just talk to our own voice and deal with our own money stuff, yeah. not everyone else's money stuff. And I had yeah. to have conversations with him about it. And there was one conversation I remember saying, I have the strongest vision for my life. Mm-hmm. And you're welcome to have that be your life too, mm-hmm. but I'm. This is where I'm going. You're yeah. on the train or you're off the train, and and you can decide. But th- that's the vision that I'm holding to. And it was a really strong conversation. But I was just like, you can't say that about money because it makes me feel like I'm going to vomit. It makes me yeah. feel like we're going to be homeless on the street. So yeah. it was little shifts because he had he had learned that right, and yeah. so instead of saying you know, if we do, I was like, no, when? Yeah. And it, then he would say it. 
and then yeah. that would be part of his life. Yeah. Um, and, you know, listening to things around the house, he started to pick that up mm-hmm. via osmosis. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No, I love that. I love that. Want to learn more about productive flow and connect with other business owners and salespeople on the same journey? Then go join our free Facebook group at ProductiveFlowGroup.com. It's free, and you'll also get access to special content and resources. See you inside the group. So um, I'll tell you, it's, it's interesting. I love that you said that because my um, I've been married twice. So my, my first husband, I got very interested in investing in real estate, very young. And I, I don't know what drove that exactly, but then I saw this uh, infomercial in the middle of the night with uh, Carlton Sheets and selling his investment real estate program thing. And I was like, yes, it's all the cassette tapes. I'm, I'm buying this. I'm doing this, you know? And um, I was 19 when I bought my first house. And by the time I was 22, I owned four. And I was renting them all out. I was managing them. We were fixing them up and we were doing all the things, you know? Wait, can we just pause for a second? That is amazing. Thank you. That's incredible. (laughs) Amazing. Thank you. So I loved doing that and I was ready to to do it again and, and buy a fifth house. And so my husband comes to me and he says, you know, we can't just keep doing this. I said, why not? He said, because life is not a game of monopoly. You can't just collect houses. And I said, I'm sorry, why not? <laughs> I thought I was doing a pretty good job. you know. And what it came down to was inherent values that were very, very different. And in his mind, it, you know, he was born in the house that he grew up in, that his parents to this day still live in and they had never moved there was no real estate or investment or anything like that you know and so for him i was making him move every year and he didn't like that and so um eventually i mean it, i didn't leave him for that reason but eventually the differences piled up between us and, and, and we did end up splitting up. And then to give you a very different example, my, my husband, Joe, um, that I've been, we've been together for 12 years now. And when I say, you know what? I'd love to go look at this house. It's like $8 million. Can we go look at it? And he's like, sure. And he goes with me to go look at the house. And he's like, okay, so Zane's room's over here. The sofa can fit. He's totally visualizing the whole thing. And he's in that realm of possibility with me. So much fun. So much fun. So much fun. And he doesn't question it. He doesn't tell me I can't. There's none of that. It's just, listen, babe, you make the money. It all happens. It works. I'm happy to be here with you. And it's a beautiful, beautiful experience. Because it's just playful. It's playful, exactly. It's playful. It's funny because Mark and I, we we went and saw a a property Mm -hmm. last week. So we've bought bought quite a few properties together Mm -hmm. now, but we we went and saw this bank that's Mm -hmm. been converted into an old house. Mm -hmm. And it's 
it's like, you know, it needs a lot of work and all that kind of stuff. But it's it's like, why not? Why not us? And then we had a we had coffee outside the bank and we were like, and look at the rest of this street because it's this tiny little town. I was like, yeah. we could own everything in this street. And it's just <laughs> fun to be able to have that conversation with somebody. Yeah. But people listening, if you don't have that, the first person you have to recruit is mm-hmm. yourself. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, you have to recruit yourself first before anyone else can believe mm-hmm. in your dreams. Mm-hmm. And it's those that that possibility of this is what a wealthy real estate investor looks like. Because I'm yeah. sure when you went to those first open houses or uh-huh. first time you talked to a broker at 19, mm-hmm. they were like, who are you? Yeah. And you had to be like, <laughs> but I can and why yeah. not? Yeah. And um, we, so we live near the ocean mm-hmm. and for a couple of years, I went to every open house in this neighborhood mm-hmm. because yeah. we used to walk up and down the beach and say, mm-hmm. I'd say to Mark, one of these houses is, is our house. Yeah. One of them is. It's just, uh-huh. it's an inevitable possibility. We just yeah. don't know which one it mm-hmm. is yet. And so I'd go to every open house and I never, ever, ever got spoken to by that the real estate agents. Mm-hmm. They never spoke to me because sometimes I'd be there in my yoga clothes. Sometimes yeah. I'd have a baby on my arm. Julie um, Roberts and Pretty Woman walking down Rodeo right. Drive. <laughs> that's exactly what happened. And I saw a house nearby mm-hmm. and I, I had a voice in my head the whole time. This is not your house. Get out. Mm-hmm. It was really like strange because I'm, I'm oh. not psychic. I'm, I don't have those woo-woo mm-hmm. powers, but I literally heard a voice saying, get out. Mm-hmm. I got out of the house. I stood in front of this land um, with Mark and our mm-hmm. broker. And I said, what about this one? And they went, no. And at the time it was the most expensive um, mm-hmm. block that we had to mm-hmm. demolish. But I said to our financial advisors, tell me how much money it would take and I'll just go away and make it. Mm-hmm. I'll just go and get the money. And they mm-hmm. laugh at me now because I always say to them, money is the easiest thing to get. Mm-hmm. Like it's, there's no limit. But yeah. when you see something that you love, especially around property, I say, they're not mm-hmm. making any more land. Mm-mm. There's, you know, there's a limited amount of houses mm-hmm. near the beach. And so they laugh because I just go, well, just tell me how much it will cost and I'll go find, yeah. I'll go get the money because there's lots yeah. of it out there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting. Um, I'll tell you that one of the things that I think really gets people started on, on connecting with the fact that money is just a thing and I am worthy of having money. I can do good things with money and that money can actually they say money can't buy happiness, but the happiness within you does beautiful things with the money, right? And uh, that, that's a beautiful way to express it, by the way. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the greatest things that you have um, in, in, your, um, in your book, Rich Bitch, Lucky Bitch, is... And, 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 and please, if, if you're listening to this and you're pre-ordering Chill and Prosper, please go buy that one as well because it's awesome. But there is, something- it's actually, it's called Get Rich Lucky Bitch, but I love oh, is it, it? Okay. called Rich Bitch Lucky Bitch because that's yeah. even better. That's a better title. I should have called it that. <laughs> I love that. And thank you for correcting me on that because I, I think I always say it wrong. Um, but I think it's it's tapping into how you're looking at yourself every single day 
And it was, it was things like you were saying, go through your underwear drawer, throw away the ones with the holes in them, (laughs) you know? And I remember thinking um, there was this rug downstairs in, in my house at the time when I was reading your book and there was this rug and it was this humongous rug, like fills the whole room rug. And it was very fancy. And I bought it at um, like a consignment shop, like a secondhand shop. And it made me feel very fancy to own this rug. And I thought, you know, it's like, behold the rug, you know, when people would come over, (laughs) there's the rug. And um, what's funny is that we had a, um, a great Dane and big, big dog, you know, and she was a nervous wreck. And she would just really quick get very, very nervous. And then she would get sick. Always on that rug. Always on that rug. (laughs) And so no matter how many times I'd cleaned it, every time I walked past that rug, that's what I saw. And it just was like, this doesn't make me feel wealthy. It doesn't make me feel abundant. It makes me feel like I bought a secondhand rug and my dog has been sick on it so many times. And yet I keep cleaning it because I feel like it's the only thing I have that connects me to a sense of wealth. And if that's my idea of what wealth is, what's going wrong here? And so I remember I told my husband, I said, you know what, that rug, roll it up and throw it out. He goes, you love that rug. And I said, not anymore roll it up and throw it out. I will buy a new rug. (laughs) Exactly what we did. But it was reading your book that connected me to that, that thought process of what am I hanging on to that I don't, I don't need to be. Mm. And And I cleared through everything. Symbolism of it, isn't it? It is. Symbolism of it, not the thing, because I always say to people as well, creating a first-class life is not about having everything fancy or Mm -hmm. the the most expensive. It's what's symbolic to you and makes you feel wealthy. Mm -hmm. Because I mean, I'm, you know, I'm a multimillionaire. I love thrift Mm -hmm. store shopping. I Mm -hmm. love it. Yeah. But it's always about what did you not have or what were you not allowed to have? And for Mm me, warmth, having the right coat, makes me feel abundant. Having the right shoes Mm -hmm. makes me feel abundant because as a kid, I got one pair of shoes a year for school, rain, hail or shine, you know, and it's things like that. And I would even say when I, when I started making lots of money, I overcorrected a little bit, Mm. you know, I was like, Oh, I guess I have to wear fancy high heels now. Mm. And I remember buying all of these like six inch heels and I just went, this is not me. These don't work on the beach. (laughs) No, I had to dial it down a little bit. And um, recently I had a stylist come over Mm -hmm. um, for a filming project Mm -hmm. and she was like, where are all your shoes? And I was like, and she's like, no, no, they're your like sandals and thongs, Mm -hmm. what we call them thongs. Sorry, you guys call them Mm flip-flops, not like Mm -hmm. G-strings. And she was just like, but they're all like beach shoes. Where are your actual shoes? And I was like, I live by the beach. I'm a mom. I have one pair of silver high heels that I wear on stage once a year. Mm -hmm. And when I go to a ball once a year Mm -hmm. and she was just like, Oh, that's really interesting. And so we, um, I needed all these shoes for this filming project. Mm -hmm. And I went to thrift stores and I Mm -hmm. I bought, you know, secondhand designer shoes. Mm -hmm. And it really pushed my buttons because it was like, but it felt too much. It felt too, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I think because we moved around a lot as a kid, I felt like I had to be nimble and ready to move at any mm-hmm. point. Time. So it felt, yeah, it felt like a burden. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, what am I going to do when I have to move? You know, how, what am I going to do with all these shoes when my life falls apart and I have to just, you know, and mm. I'll tell you what as well, this is total lucky bitch problems. Just mm. mm-hmm. when we built this house, we did yeah. underfloor heating in the mm-hmm. bathroom. Yeah. I didn't use that underfloor heating for the first almost a year because I was like, but what if I get used to the good life mm. and then I lose my resilience? Yeah. And I had, a, I realized I had this story around money yeah. makes you lose your resilience. And yeah. you know, that sense of pride of going, well, I'm, I'm scrappy. I'm yeah. young, scrappy and yeah. hungry. And now um, now I have to admit that I'm like this wealthy person. And I realize I still yeah. have a story of, well, wealth makes you soft and, oh, um, yeah. you know, lazy or it makes you unresilient. And my kids are not going to be resilient. And so, yeah. and, and so this is the constant exploration when you were talking mm-hmm. before about the messy middle. I'm like, you're always going to be in it. Yeah. You're always in the messy middle, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's no there, there's no destination yeah. that you get to. Yeah. And I psych myself out about money all the time. I'll tell you something too. So you you mentioned that I have mm-hmm. a rose farm. People might yeah. be a bit confused about that. So when we were building this house, it took mm-hmm. a couple of years to build it. Mm-hmm. So I was um, reading through one of those country magazines, you mm-hmm. know, those ones where people are like, oh, we moved to the country and we bought this rundown house. Mm-hmm. And I was reading them while I was pregnant. And I said to Mark, maybe we, wouldn't it be fun if we had a house in the country? Yeah. Uh-huh. And he was like, not really. And I said, why don't we go to open houses just to look, just mm-hmm. for fun yeah. on the weekend? And, of course, we found something we fell mm-hmm. in love with. And our financial advisors were like, nope. And I said, tell me how much money. I'll go into it. <laughs> so I always say to people, if you bought Money Boot Camp in October 2018, mm-hmm. you were part of us buying a rose farm. Um, it just, it was meant to be a little cottage that we were going to just spend the mm-hmm. weekends at. It came with this hobby rose farm. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'm a terrible rose farmer, by the way, never asked me about my <laughs> farm, but for the first time in my life, I had space. So I've got this mm-hmm. barn. So yeah. I started collecting things and I overcorrected a little bit. And I really see it's that trauma of not having stuff as a kid, not mm. ever being able to put things on walls. Mm-hmm. I didn't have, I didn't buy bedside tables until I was like 33 yeah. because I couldn't commit. We always lived in furnished rentals. Mm-hmm. But um, so I, one thing happened, I, this is not related to mm-hmm. anything, but it's just funny. I saw this couch in a thrift store and it's one of those old wooden couches with the, like mm-hmm. the, you know, the claw hands and yeah. rattan. Mm-hmm. And I went, wow, this is cool. And then I went to the next thrift store and they had an identical one. And I went, oh, this is cool. I'll buy both of them. And then I went on Marketplace and I saw another one. And I went, oh, that's cool. And then the algorithm kicked in Mm -hmm. and I I found out what the couch was called and I started looking for them. So then I hired a truck. Mm -hmm. And for over the course of one weekend, I ended up with 22 of those couches. (laughs) (laughs) So what did you do with all of them? They're in my barn. (laughs) Okay. They're in my barn. Um, I found, and then I was like, then I found a local um, upholsterer Mm -hmm. and she's made new new things for them. Uh My interior designer, who's also my best friend and Mm -hmm. my biggest enabler for things, Mm -hmm. um, she spray painted (laughs) them all white. Mm -hmm. So they all look beautiful. Because I was thinking, if people come to my farm, Mm. um, they can sit on these couches instead of sitting 
on not boring wooden chairs. Yeah. And then the same thing happened. I went, and then when they come, I'll, they can have their lunch in a picnic basket. So I ended up with 22 picnic baskets the next weekend. <laughs> and so, and I, and then guess what? I found out I had ADHD. Really? Yeah, I did. I found out I had ADHD. And okay. I think it was because there was that whole thing of overcorrecting of going, I've never been able to collect things. Mm-hmm. I was never allowed to have as a kid, I was never allowed to have yeah. you know, a rock collection or whatever, because we, we just didn't have the space in the room for yeah. it. And so there was a little bit of overcorrection of going, I want to save all the things. And mm. because growing up um, poor too, like, you know, when people throw things out of their house to, for the mm. council to pick up, mm. there's still, I'm always like, oh, what can I, what can I do? Mm. And, and there, because that was our childhood, it was like, mm-hmm. we, we weren't allowed to buy stuff. We didn't have mm-hmm. money for it. So I have to w- wind that back a little bit and go, just because I have the money now doesn't mean I have to save all the things mm-hmm. and make it all happen. And yeah. But here's the lesson for that is that you, you're not going to change much with money. You're just going to have more money. And mm-hmm. so now I'm like that with properties. I'll see a broken down property that nobody else wants. Mm-hmm. That's a total money pit. Yeah. And I think, I, why not me? I can yeah. do that. And I, yeah. because that's how I would have been as a kid, picking up a wooden box from someone that's chucked yeah. it out in the trash. I can fix this. Yeah. And so money is not going to change who you are fundamentally. Mm-hmm. If you're, if you're a bit disorganized with money, you probably will be with money, but Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean you have, it's going to stop you. You're allowed to be Mm -hmm. however you are in money. You're allowed to enjoy thrift store shopping and have money. You're allowed to be a hippie Mm -hmm. with money. You're allowed to be a good mom and have money. But we have these binary situations in our head to think, well, people with money are like that and I'm like this, so Mm -hmm. never the twain shall meet because that's not me. Mm -hmm. And that whole thing of this is what a wealthy woman looks like. This mm-hmm. is what a wealthy mom looks like. This mm-hmm. is what a wealthy hippie looks like. Mm-hmm. And then it's, you're always going to be in the messy middle is, mm-hmm. is the whole point of that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if, by the way, if anyone wants to follow my Rose Farm account, it's Lawn Rose Farm on Instagram, L-O-R-N Rose Farm. And I always share my little treasures because um, if you come to my house, it's like I'm Ariel. I'm like, look at this stuff. <laughs> and then I'm like, look at this. I got this baguette cutter from Etsy. And I mm-hmm. found this, I found this plate in this little antique mm-hmm. store. And I found this by the side of the road. I'm like, yeah. Ariel. <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome. <laughs> it's so funny. But now because I I've I was like that as a kid, by the way. I remember yeah. saying to my friends, let's have a garage sale to make money. And mm. I got them to put, bring all their crap around to my house. Mm. And it sat, my mum was so pissed off about it. Um, it sat there because I'm not a good completer finisher. But now mm. my best friend is my interior designer. Mm. So I go, babe, look at this thing that I found. My husband yeah. enables me because he'll go pick it up for me. Yeah. Yeah. I say, go get $100 out of the bank, go to this mm-hmm. address, give it mm-hmm. to this lady. She will give you, he's like, what am I picking up? Don't ask any questions. <laughs> <laughs> and then my designer will spray paint it and make it all pretty. And I just go, oh, this mm-hmm. is great. So it's it's super fun having money, guys. You can, mm-hmm. anything that you want to do with money, you can. And yeah. I live by this Sarah Blakely quote of money is fun to make, fun mm-hmm. to spend and fun to give away. Yeah. And what was really fun last Saturday, um, my friend has a charity that supports mm-hmm. victims of domestic violence. Mm-hmm. And I was, I could bid $10,000 for something mm-hmm. to go to her charity. You yeah. know, I got a painting out of it. Cool. And it wasn't about the painting. 
It was about being able to to give money away and have it be really fun as much as it's fun buying yeah. random stuff on yeah. Marketplace. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I love that. All right. Well, I want to be mindful of your time. So, so I, I want to talk about more of my crap that I bought <laughs> at my farm. I'll talk about this for days. No, thank, uh, thank you for letting me rant about that. I know yeah, we got no, off topic. No, no, really no. Fun. I love that. I think that's amazing. It is very, very fun. Absolutely. I love <laughs> the aerial part of it. That's just super cool. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> so, oh, no, one more thing. This is hilarious. Yeah. Okay. I think um I found this, you know, those old fashioned bars, you know, uh-huh. when people, you know, in the 90s, everyone had a bar in their house with oh, alcohol. And stuff. It gets worse if you go further back into like the 60s and 70s. Yes. It was really prominent. <laughs> I saw a house the other day that was on the lake and it was, they literally had a bar on every deck on all three levels. And they had a bar in the living room off to one side. They had another one down in the basement that was the full bar all the way around where you could have people all like like at a club or something, you know? Well, this yeah. is what's happened to me, right? I found this one. It was like a um, just like a little curved bar. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, a particular carved kind of thing. It must have been really popular in the 90s. Mm-hmm. So I found one. I went, this is going to be great for when we're at the mm-hmm. farm. You know, we love entertaining there. But I was like, oh, when pe- people come to my conference or mm-hmm. whatever. But then I found, and I have five of these bars now, right? Mm-hmm. So the, when you do four, it can make a complete circle. Yeah, absolutely. But now I've got five. So now I'm like, Mark, I need to find another three of these bars. <laughs> so you can it, make the whole, the big old. Because it needs me now because I can make one full circle. Yeah. Now I'm like, I've got this extra little bar. And I saw one the other day and he's like, no. Because everyone in my town must have had this bar in the, yeah. in the 90s. Um, but it's it's that whole thing of like catch them all. Yeah. You know, yeah. like it's like a Pokemon thing for me now. I'm like, yeah. I have to, I have to collect it. But <laughs> it's just that thing of I find now that I now that I have more money, mm-hmm. it's like I'm a little kid again. You mm-hmm. know, I'm it's it so money just enhances who you truly yeah. are and it yeah. gives you permission and fun to make your dreams come true. And for me, that yeah. that's what floats my boat, not the six-inch heels. Mm-hmm. No offense to anyone, but it's things like that of going wow, I can just create things with money and it can be mm-hmm. really fun. Yeah. And, but it doesn't have to be my business. That's the other Mm-mm. thing I have to remember. Too, yeah. Going, you can just have fun with it. You can exactly. just have fun. Yeah. No, I love that. All right. So for everybody who wants <laughs> to learn more about you, they need to go to your website. <laughs> yes. Denise denisedt.com perfect and there's tons of resources in there about pricing and there you know is. really fun stuff and it doesn't have none of it has to be hard mm. all of it can, you can hold it lightly money pricing everything yeah. and if you pre-order my new book just go to denisedt.com slash prosper there's the links for where you can buy it in audible and paperback and kindle mm-hmm. But you can get all those pre-order bonuses like all the visualizations and the tools and things like yeah, that. yeah and those are so helpful Oh, so helpful. And, um, and they really do work without you mm-hmm. having to try as well. Um, yeah. and then I'm at Denise DT all over the, the internet. So I love mm-hmm. when people contact me and tell me their stories or send me pictures of their dogs or send me yeah. pictures of their latest thrift store find. Yeah. <laughs> That's my favorite <laughs> thing too. <laughs> and, um, yeah, 
It's such a pleasure, Angela. Thank you yeah. so much for having me. On Likewise. Your All right. And so for everybody who is listening to this, um, we love to see you here at Productive Flow on our podcast. So be sure to like, subscribe, leave us a review, and we will see you again next time. Thanks for listening. And especially thank you for sharing the show and leaving a review on iTunes. Every time you share the show, you are potentially changing someone's life. Want to learn more about Productive Flow and connect with other business owners and salespeople on the same journey? Then go join our free Facebook group at ProductiveFlowGroup.com. It's free and you'll also get access to special content and resources. Now, stay tuned for the next episode of Productive Flow.